Ephesians 5, and I want to read verse 31, okay? Ephesians 5, I'm going to cut this mic off, and let's look at verse 31. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31. The Bible reads this, For this reason man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. But notice what Paul says next. For this is the great mystery. I speak not just concerning Christ, or excuse me, and I speak concerning Christ and the church. Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. See that she respects her husband. I could leapfrog to the, to the next subject matter, but I got to pace myself because there's so much material and I don't have so much time today. Uh, today is just really more of an appetizer of what is to come. And the two reasons is that you realize that you're in a culture of a very truthful, transparent, sort of pull the sleeves up, get down to the nitty gritty of basics of dealing with relationships. And I want to emphasize this just for the next few minutes. This is not a marriage series. It's a family series. This is not a marriage series. It will be a family series. So we'll look at the multiple dynamics of not just married, but life after marriage. Singles. Single again. Widows. We'll look at life as, as it relates to parenting. We had a phenomenal men's call yesterday. If you all recall, thank you, Dr. Sheard and the men's department. Phenomenal men's call. And brothers, if you missed the call, you really missed the treat. It is a time where we can chop it up. A time when it's just us talking. We have our coffee. Uh, one of the elders had grits and uh, fried pork chops and eggs and cheese. I mean, he, he took virtual breakfast to the next level, made everybody else hungry on the call, right? But it was just a time where men could talk and not fear it, quote, unquote, leaving the room, if you will. Phenomenal time. And we appreciate that. But one of the themes of that call was we all are talking about multi-generational parenting. In other words, our kids are no longer kids. And there seems to be a stigma, particularly in the black community, of raising our young black men and launching them. Because the problem is if we don't launch these young successful black men to being young great men, what are the girlfriends and the girls in our community going to do? So there is something that I applaud the men of this church to want to be better husbands, better fathers, better brothers. Okay. So, so, so with that being said, we're, we're looking at all facets of families in this, in this hour or, or in this era. There's no doubt um, that this global COVID-19 pandemic and this now economic downturn has had its effect on so many marriages, so many families in our homes, and in our communities, okay? Especially in communities of urban background. We, we deal with the uncertainty. We're dealing with the unknown. And then for many people, there's still this unresolved. What, what does tomorrow really look like? Whether it's job security, whether it's family security, these things we yet grapple with. <clears throat> uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the byproduct of anxiety, stress, tension, arguments. All of these things can get to the very best of our marriages and even our parenting uh, relationships. And that was, on an even, that was on an even kill. But how do you combine that with this toxicity 
of a semi-post-pandemic COVID world, still not knowing the validity of vaccinations in our community, you look at this still the aftermath of social unease, unrest, injustices. It has been just a tsunami in the making. And I'm, I'm beginning to get really concerned. Are we taking our community serious? And not just rebounding, but rebuilding. Not just renovating, someone said yesterday, but rebuilding. I was on a call yesterday with uh, Congressman Cory Booker, uh, Congressman somebody Bush, and then there were two others. It was part of a campaign in our church, our, our, our church denominational setting. A couple of days prior with another major Zoom call. And it was, a, it was a beautiful thing to see how people were coming together to ensure that we're not just getting a vaccination in the arm, but we're having something for our heads, our emotions, and, and, and the mental capacity. And I was so, I was so, what's the word I'm using? I, I was so honored that in this national call, particularly with a lot of political African-American leaders that, that is well-respected on both sides of the table, that they all identified the church, the church, the preacher, as the advocate and the spearhead of black America. Well, that shouldn't be a secret to us because we've known that for 400 some odd years during Jim Crow days and slavery and, and, and all of the other challenges we've had in our community. But it seems like now things are becoming full circle again. What used to be or what at one time was looking like were becoming very relevant. We, were not, we no longer had a seat at the table. It was about everyone else. Now things come back full circle to the need of the local church. And I'm happy to be a part of that. We should be happy to be a part of that. Okay? Now, with that being said, um, I, I want to give you a quote. And, and I, I don't want to dig too deep today, but just something as what you could expect. Because the second reason of today's message is to prepare you to invite a friend whether it's physically to the church on campus or invite them online or to invite them to the next service, whatever it may look like, because we have a plethora of activities happening uh, for the, all of the month of February and probably half of the month of March. Uh, one of the statements that, that, that kind of that jeered me was this, quote, marriage, marriage is stressed by economic uncertainties have also been more likely to be disrupted when financial pressures are high Husbands and wives treat each other more negatively. They quarrel more. They feel uh, increasingly distant. Thoughts of divorce now become, as you said earlier, more common. In other words, 80% of arguments have something to do with money. 80% of arguments. Uh, nobody in the middle section said amen. Okay? <laughs> I heard some amens over here and I heard some over there. Stereo. Uh, I'll try that again. 80% of arguments have something to do with money. Oh, there we go. Yeah, because, because how can two walk together except they agree? I believe that 80% of the 80% probably has to do with not having enough money, right? 
Uh, we don't squabble too much about what we're going to do with the extra tax returns we get. We're going to get a new carpet or we're going to go ahead and paint the fence. We don't argue too much through that, but we do argue is how we going uh, to make ends meet. Well, girl, don't you know I'm trying? What do you think I'm doing all day long? Sitting there and reading the paper? Uh, well, kind of like you reading the paper to me all day long. Uh, uh, you're not doing this and he ain't doing that. And Well, if you stop going to the mall so much, maybe we had extra money to pay. And next thing you know, the blowout comes. This is real. This is real. And, and, and so, you know, my wife and I, and I want to emphasize so no one's culture shop, we don't have all the answers. But we do believe that God will give us the answers through a team of others in this ministry that will help pastor and minister, not just to those here, but those that are online. Listen, let me tell you this. Many of you all don't know, and someone... Well, uh, someone emailed me the other day and said, uh, is there any way we could go back and listen to messages in the church? I'm, I'm grateful for that question being asked, but maybe we're not doing a good enough communication to tell you, friends, every message Thursday night, Sunday morning is archived. You can now go to our website and pull down our YouTube page and pull down any sermon. The beautiful thing about this is. Oftentimes, and if you're like me, you hear somebody preaching, more it's a powerful word, all in your head you're saying, man, I wish my, my uncle could have heard this. Man, I wish my sister could have heard this. Man, I wish my coworker. Well, now they can. You know how? Go to the YouTube page, and you can hit a share button, send them the sermon. You can do it right now. I mean, it's easy. And so now, again, you become the herald. You become the, the evangelist. You become the apostle. You become the preacher. Because you are now the conduit that gets the word out. And that's what this season, I believe, is God's doing to get the church to being uncomfortable with being comfortable. Getting us out of the traditional four walls, me, my wife, us four, no more. Now getting us to a place where we can now help others hear about the Lord Jesus Christ and his perfect plan of salvation. And so with that being said, we're going to deal with the challenges, the obstacles, the dilemmas. I call them issues. That we often face in our marriages and again in all of our family dynamics. Uh, the team agreed that we should title the message or the series Built to Last. Built to Last. Everyone starts out great, but very few finish strong. Why? Because they weren't built to last. Jesus gives us a beautiful illustration and a parable about the house that was built on the sand. The house that was built on the rock. And the foundation and the importance of that house taking its time to be built. And so we want to talk about what it means to build your parenting. Maybe you're a single parent. You got two boys, three boys, a, a girl and a boy. How do you build that, 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 that parenting as a single parent? Maybe you're coming in together as a blended family. What, does the church have an anointing and a grace for blended families? What do we, I mean, how do we minister? So we want to make sure we cover all of the bases. So next Sunday, we're going to start with this message entitled Love and Respect. That's the title of next Sunday's message. Love and Respect. What every person should know concerning the married life. Well, I'm not married. Well, if you want to get married, you may want to know something about love and respect. Okay? All right? If you don't care, maybe you know somebody. And again, you can offer them the words of Christ. You can give them God's word concerning you want to be married one day. So it, this fits everybody. One thing's for sure, and we'll talk about this in a minute, every man wants some respect. He may not care for the love, but he does want to be respected. Uh -uh. Here we go again. Let me try it again. Here we go again. Uh, brothers, every man 
once. You, you rarely hear men saying, you don't love me. I don't hear no love. I need some love. Give me love. Now, he, you don't hear men talk like that. Men say, I just want to respect. Just give me my respect. Appreciate what I do. Affirm who I am. And that's just how we are wired. But notice, you don't hear a lot of women saying, I know they wrote a song years ago back in the 70s about R-A-C-P-C and all that other stuff. But uh, no, for, for the most part, women say, I want you to love me. Love me. Love you some me. She's not crying for respect because if she gets the love, it encompasses everything else that she desires. One of the most popular books in married couples is the book titled Love, and it's that simple. It's that simple. But you know what? You ain't got to go to no third party book to read that. Just go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, Men, then notice, he doesn't say a whole bunch about uh, respecting the wife, he says, Love your wife. As Christ loved the church. Wives, huh? he didn't say go and love your husband because naturally, and you have the innate ability to do that. But how about honor and respect him? Whole nother message. Following Sunday, we'll do a little bit of part two. But then that Sunday on the 21st, we're going to transition. We're going to do something I don't think we've ever done on a Sunday morning in 28 years, 26 years of this church. We're going to talk about dating and engage. And I'll be the first to admit, I am tapped out. I am date stamped out of the current dynamics of singles and dating in 2021. When I was taught under the uh, tutelage of dating, it was 1988, 1989, and 1990. A whole lot has happened in 30 plus years. A whole lot of new mechanism. There was no online dating back in the 80s. There was no, uh, uh, all these Christian dating websites and okay, we want God to do what he needs to do, but how much should man do to make God do what he needs to do? We didn't have to worry about all that then. We just walked up to somebody and said, I like you, do you like me? Let's pray about it, let's get together. Things are different now. When we were, what, 19, 20, 21, the Bible says it was better to marry than to burn. And however you, whatever tribe of tradition, <laughs> uh, apostolic or uh, Pentecostal group you came up in, we didn't know if that meant burning in hell or burning in your flesh. Either way, it might be better getting married. So what did we do? We got married at the age of 21, at 22, and have no money, but got married. Didn't have no estate plan, but got married. Didn't have a future for the next 5, 10, 15 years, but we got married. you make a great first lady, you'd make a great pastor. You're a wonderful missionary, you're a wonderful minister. Y'all saved? Yes. You speak in tongues? Yes. You live in holy? Yes. Uh, trying to, at least. Uh, all right, go and get married. God will do the rest. No marital counseling. No premarital therapy. No accountability. No waiting. Nothing. And let me speak about my little circle. Five out of six of my closest friends are divorced today. Do the math. Do the math. I would probably guesstimate that 20 out of 30 of my closest friends in the last 30 years are divorced. Christians, saved, love God. But we didn't have all this. We took that away. One thing my wife didn't say to them. I don't know more line. I may get in trouble for saying this. But when we got married in 1980, uh, I mean 1992, excuse me. When we got married in 1992, we didn't find out two years later that our married mentor, people over the marriage dating department, don't say it, so they could be watching. They may know somebody who knows somebody who's watching. I'm going to take a chance. <laughs> we didn't find out two years later that the people who were mentoring and helping the young engaged and dating folk like us, uh, they went the first eight, seven years, nine years, oh, two years, they were still along with us. Two years without consummating their marriage. 
Way too long. Two months is too long. Uh, somebody on the front row said one day would be too long. Okay? Others struggled behind closed doors, but yet they had positions in the church. And so the Bible says that the blind lead the blind. They both fall in the ditch. Great heart, great intentions, but wasn't proven. And so our goal in this series is to do something that rarely few people do. And that's to find the people who are really super laser focused and proven in their successes to deal with certain subject matters. Okay? I want this to be a blessing to everyone in the church. And so as it relates to singles in the church, please understand this. As, uh, we're going to do a dating forum. We're looking for dating couples. I know we have a few in the church and we have some online. We want to hear from you. What are your most pressing needs? What are the biggest challenges you're facing? How can the church, what do we need to do in the word? Because, uh, by the way, we have probably three pages, three full pages of questions, whether it's dating, single, or married. Uh, in fact, here's something regarding the dating. The dating. Uh, and all of this is anonymous, of course, because it came through the website. We don't know if it was a church member or someone online, Facebook, YouTube. We don't know. We don't even care. But question, quote, what is the proper way to date? Is it okay to kiss, stay out late together, outside the church? Where are, the prop, uh, where are acceptable places for Christian singles to hang out and meet each other, especially if they do not want to be stereotypical church boy, church girl? How's that sound? All right. Is it okay to hold non-godly traits, i.e. education, social activism, ethnic and cultural awareness? Is that just as important as godly traits like tithing, speaking in tongues, praying, and fasting uh, when you're considering a partner? Again, these are real questions that people want to know. Um, why are the rules of the church regarding dating is the same for all ages, i.e., the goal for dating is to marry? What if married is not desired? We're going to deal with these questions. I don't have those answers. Somebody does. And if we don't, we'll research them. Find them in scripture. Try to contemporize them and deal with them. Uh, single folk, here's another one. This is for the single people. I have heard that we should, quote, stay prayed up, study the word, stay busy in the Lord. As I am a single Christian, I believe in doing that. In fact, that is the daily practice of my Christian walk. Although it is very hard to stay in this mode 100% of the time, it is almost like we are expected to be perfect in our singleness. Is there such thing as perfect Christian singles out there? These are the things I want these young kids to know about early on. So they don't go down a wrong path or build their ladder against some corporate tower only to realize when they get to the top, there was nothing there. First of all, when Paul talks about being single in the Bible, the word single was really synonymous with being simple. So when Paul talks about being single in first, uh, first uh, Corinthians, it was really not just singleness of heart, but simplicity of heart. What does that mean, singles? Well, God has called you to, number one, be unapologetically independent. Be undistracted and be unhindered for the master's use. I'll say that again. Unapologetically independent. You are not called to be codependent on somebody else to make you happy. If you got to find a husband to make you happy, you won't be happy for long. Okay? I know we say in the world is 50, 50 equals 100, but that ain't God's math in the church. God's math in the church is 100% and 100%. And when those 200% come together, you make one. Okay? 
We've created this culture where you bring your little money, you bring your little savings, you bring your gifts, you bring your talents, and let's just click our heels and hope it works. That ain't the will of God. Okay? I said recently, and I'll say it again, if you are a A-plus woman, right? Uh, let me say it this way. I'm sorry. Let me say it this way. If you are a sister and you're looking for an A-plus man, but you got a C-minus lifestyle, most likely that A-plus man is going to want an A-plus woman, right? In other words, let God do a work in him and let God do a work in you. So then when you become an A-plus woman, you can go find that A-plus man and the two shall become one. But the problem is you don't want to lower your standards and, and, and basically walk away from your convictions and just find a man who can stand up without leaning sideways too long. These are things you all will talk about in your singles panel, your singles discussion. But you know what the, the response we've had as of lately? Pastor Stephen, we're older now. Not everybody wants to be married. Not everybody wants to be married. That might have worked in the 80s and the 90s when you were in your 20s and 30s. But we have become content. And that doesn't mean we're fornicating. Doesn't mean we're taking care of ourselves. What it just simply means is we understand, like Paul said, it would be better to have it. Why would Paul have said that? Can you help me with that one? Why? I've been not looked that way. Uh, but why? Let me see. Brother Williams. Okay. I'm gonna, uh, Dalton, thank you for being here. Because I can look at Because he's married, right? But why would Paul, in his older, mature, single year, tell the church, it would be better for you to stay single and not get married? Now, that's Bible. And see how quiet y'all are right now? That's because that's a very difficult understanding. Paul understood what it meant to be unapologetically independent, what it meant to be, excuse me, undistracted, and what it meant to be unhindered for the work of the Lord. Now, Peter, he has a whole nother animal. Peter is a whole nother game because Peter's married. And we know that Peter's married because the Bible speaks about his mother-in-law being sick. And Peter must be a good son-in-law because he really wants to see mama heal. He could have just said, Jesus, we got so many other people over in Samaria we could be healing right now. We got so many people in Judea we could be ministering to. No, no, no. But he makes it happen to where mom gets the healing she needs. So there's something about the dynamics of marriage in the scriptures. Uh, Sister Donette informed us that Dr. Clarence is Clarence Shula, right? So he's one of the guests who has written a phenomenal book um, dealing with single life, African-American. He'll be with us on Friday night, March the 26th, if I'm not mistaken. He's not the only one. We're lining up other authors because we, again, this is not just for city church. We want this to be for any and everybody who is out there in the World Wide Web who wants real answers. Okay? This is no time for us to be greedy nor selfish with the resources that God has given us. We'll turn a corner. We've asked other couples to come and help minister in this area for better or for worse. February 28th, Sunday morning, for better or for worse. What every person should know concerning success after failure in marriage. And that's when we roll up the sleeves. That's when we get down to the nitty gritty. This is no time that that won't be the Sunday to floss and to gloss and to act like everything is perfect. How do you handle failure? Or how do you handle success in marriage after failure in marriage? How do you deal with life after a divorce? After infidelity? After a death of a loved one? Do you die twice because your spouse has died prematurely? How do you handle that second marriage, the third marriage? You know the statistics, I don't have to give them to you, right? 
They say that 50% of marriages end in divorce, 75% of second marriages end in divorce, 90% of third marriages end in divorce. Now that's in the world because with Christ, I do believe those statistics can be curbed by the grace of God. And we see that happening and we applaud those marriages who have not become a statistic. But Christ made the difference. And so we'll talk about rebuilding marriage. How do you rebuild trust? Uh, let me go back to my questions here. Someone asked a question, concerning marriage. What are the three most effective things a wife needs from her husband and a husband needs from his wife? I'm going to talk about that. Okay, here we go. Uh, you didn't say amen. Uh, let me find something that might cause you to wake up. Uh, what advice would be given in handling a heated discussion? The do's and the don'ts of fighting fair. That must be a COVID-19 question. Uh, and of course, not physical, they're saying. Thank you. All right. What do you do when you feel that your spouse isn't pulling their own weight? What's the best way to fight the urges of committing infidelity? I'll give you one more. My wife has issues with me taking care of my children from a previous marriage. Every time I have to pay for something for my other kids, i.e. tuition, clothes, etc., or do something for them, i.e. this, that, and the other. I better not get too personal because it ain't, ain't but a couple, you know. So <laughs> it becomes an issue. <laughs> She feels that I'm taking away from my own kids to take care of my other kids, which is really not the case. How do I explain that to her, that I love all of my kids from all of my baby mamas? No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm joking. I'll put that in there. I'm just joking. <laughs> y'all got so quiet, I figured I had to do something to get y'all awake again. <laughs> I love all of my children from all of my baby's mama. <laughs> it didn't say that. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. All right. Um, a quote. Uh, how do I explain to her... <laughs> How do I explain to her that I love all my kids from the same and I would not do less for any one of them that I would not do more than I could do? Real questions, real issues. You'd be surprised the number of men who, who, who have those issues, whether it's baby mama drama. Sometimes it's, 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 it's um, real simple and sometimes it's complex. But who's talking about this in the church? Folk talk at the barbershop. They talk at the beauty parlor. Folk talk online, but what does God say about these questions? What is the church's response to these issues? All right, let, 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 me, let me take one more, and then we're going to get to today's message, all right? Um, so we'll talk about for better or for worse. We made a vow, we made a promise, we, we made a commitment when we said, I do. But unfortunately, we live now in this world where it's no longer covenant, it's contract. And we treat the covenant of the church, and this is why Paul says we're not just talking about man and woman, we're talking about the covenant between Christ and his bride, the local church. That's a great mystery that Ephesians speaks of. But in this current day conversation, how do we deal with the struggles that we deal with when we said for better or for worse? Because I think realistically, it's not always going to be for better. It's going to be more for worse probably than it's going to be for better. But we made a promise and a commitment. And I know the world says this, and I know social media says that, and I know the bloggers say this, and I know people say that. But what are you really dealing with inside your home when none of that is around? Were you based or were you built on a solid foundation? Were you built on a solid rock? Were you built on Christ the hope? Were you even built on friendship? Because a true, authentic friendship will get you through a lot of hellish places. 
When you really are really truly one, you empathize and sympathize with each other's weaknesses. Everybody else turns their back. Why should you? Because one thing is for sure, you don't want anyone to turn their back on you in your worst moment. I read a scripture and I know I won't be able to find it unless I just fall on it. And I know I won't. Some of you Bible scholars will have to help me. I'm showing you all my vulnerability and my fact that I don't know all the scriptures. But a friend, the Bible talks about a brother and a friend born for adversity. A day of a friend is for the day of adversity. Thank you, ma'am. I knew somebody was reading their Bible. Thank you so much. I read it earlier this week. Can't remember where I read it. 17. Thank you so much. Proverbs 17 and 17. A friend loves at all times. Hmm? A brother is born for adversity. Can we talk just for a moment? A friend, Proverbs 17, 17, loves you wonder why some couples can make it through the darkest seasons and moments of their lives and some can't? A friend loves at all times. Not just the good times. Not Sunday morning only times. Not just payday Friday times. But a friend loves at all times. A brother is born with adversity. That's the glory of that men's call we have on first Saturdays. We're standing shoulder to shoulder through the ups and the downs, through the good and the bad. And not everything can be said in a group chat room. Not everything can be said at a group's gathering. Sometimes the greatest healing, you know, you may want to write this down, but scarred hands heal best. Scarred hands heal best. When you've gone through some things yourself, I never forget someone saying, well, why should I stay at the church? There's nothing he can teach me from, from, from now on. Really? Scarred hands heal best. One thing is for sure, I'll be able to help you when it becomes to being mad enough to be honest. I, I can help you through the pain, the pressure, the patience, the waiting, the highs, the lows, the emotions of rebuilding. Because it's not a matter of if for a lot of people. It's a matter of when. And it may not be this severe or that severe, but there's going to be something in this parade of life. It's going to be something. Something. And our goal is not to impress you with all the successes of life, but maybe we can impact you with the failures of life. And again, this is applicable to everybody. Not just married, but single. Not folk who want to get married, but folk who want to live content and simple at heart for the rest of their lives on the earth. Here's a quote about the African-American family today. In fact, here's an older quote, but I think it bears worth repeating. This is an old statistic from 2006. It was in the Washington Post. It says that African-Americans have the lowest marriage rates, rate of any racial group in the U.S., the African-American woman is the least likely in our society to get married. Here's another quote from Harvard, excuse me, from Howard, not Harvard, Howard University. Um, the African-American are the most uncoupled people in the country. What does that say for these teenagers? Those teens that are having teen church today. What example 
Because when you open up Ephesians chapter 5, the first thing Paul talks about is to imitate Christ so people can imitate you. What will our society say to the next generation of young people in the black community that are the most uncoupled community in society? I better not get political here, but my heart breaks when now the transgender man, now woman can compete with women in sports. You may say, oh, leave him alone. That's no big deal. But what about that young girl who has trained all her life? And a man who has confusion in his sexuality decides to get an operation. Now he has this testosterone driven body minus the sex organs and now wants to compete with women in sports. That is the Babylonian confusion of our world and day. I've preached messages over the years in small circles and large settings. But if you start reducing the available African-American male, whether it be to, to, to homosexuality, whether it be to prison, whether it be to homicide, whether it be to other distractions and factors, the average available African-American marriageable male compared to the woman is startling in comparison. So what is that woman to do? Because not everybody is content with being single for the rest of their lives. Some of them want to be married. Some of them want to have babies. I was asked a question a few months ago, Pastor, what do we do now with single women who are now doing the, in, in, I never get the word right, artificial insemination because they want to be a mother, but they don't want the drama of having a husband. What does the Bible pastor say about that? I was quick to get back and I had to slow up and say, wait a minute, let me, let me think about this thing for a moment. Because how do we condemn them and not condemn the couple, excuse me, not condemn the woman who adopts a child? There are things to think through. I'm going to let y'all singles handle that conversation. I'm going to back up and just be in the cut and I'm going to want y'all to handle that biblical, theological quandary. All right. Let's go to Ephesians real quick. My time is up. I, you know what? I, I have so much more I want to share. Um, I'll give you one quote, and then I'm going to give you three thoughts out of Ephesians, and we'll close. It's 11.25. We're doing pretty good on time. Here's what Tom Burrell said. He wrote, he wrote the book called Brainwashed, uh, The Challenge of the Myth of black, lead, of black Inferiority. He said, quote, they reveal the same, and he talks about the, the African-American marriages and families. Quote, they reveal the same ongoing depressing themes, social chaos, irresponsible spending, economic stagnation, disproportionate death, incarceration rates. No matter what the category, blacks statistically trail behind whites and other ethnicities, and in some areas such as educational achievement and overall life expectancy, our numbers are actually getting worse. We're the only segment, and this is me talking now, we're, we are the only segment that's probably getting worse than the generation prior compared to any other ethnicity in America. In the Latino Hispanic community, every generation is doing a little bit better than their fathers and their forefathers. In the Asian community, the same. I would even go as far as to say as the Native Americans. At least they have the ability now to put casinos on all these different properties across the country. They're making money to handle a foot in real estate developments and to get seats at the table. And uh, we're the only ones stagnated. We're still somehow in the fog of what we should be. 
We're not taking a job cutting grass, getting paid $12 an hour. We're too important for that. We're not doing that. But uh, Jorge will take that job, and he'll put a straw hat on, he'll put his mask on, and he'll cut 10, 12, 14 hours a day. You know why? Because in a year and a half, you're going to see a nice van, a nice Sprinter van driving by Jorge's grass-cutting business. And he won't be in the van. He'll be at home doing accounting, right? Well, we ain't working at no gas station at 3, 4 in the morning. Let them Africans come work at a gas station at 3, 4 in the morning. You know what they'll do? Those Africans, they'll say, okay. But when you go into the gas station at 3 in the morning, they'll be behind that glass wall with an accounting book, a CPA book, a dentistry book, a medical book. Because in a couple of years, they're going to be the doctor. Right? <laughs> Y'all don't like what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Right? We, we don't see dry cleaning as a business or this restaurant as a business. But you know what? The Asians don't mind because they'll, they'll live several in a house and they'll save their money up. They'll defer gratification. So you're not going to see them driving the Bentley, the Benz, or, or, or the Lexus. No, 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 no. You're not going to see that, right? And not even they have it, but you ain't going to see it. Uh, but, 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 but what's going to happen is our dollar stays out of our community and it goes into their community. And here we are wanting to blame the white man. You can't pull that card as they pull back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. There is some opportunity if you're willing to pull yourself up and participate in your own rescue. And now that we've been in this quarantine for a whole year, you could have built a consulting practice. You could have built a virtual assistance practice. You could have built a resume. You could have went back to school. You could have went to a master's class. There's nothing you could not have done. But you want to play uh, uh, games all day long on your laptop. You'd rather spend time watching the stories all day long where somebody else said, I'll enroll. You know, these Ivy League schools had this free class portfolio for many, many months. I don't know if they still do it or not. But you can literally go online and take a class for free at Harvard, at Yale, at Cornell, at Brown, all these Ivy League schools. And it was a virtual class you could take for free or whatever subject matter you wanted to take. Not us. We want the latest game at GameStop. Then we got real arrogant and feel like we go buy some stock at GameStop and lost our shirt. YouTube is a virtual university for anybody who's hungry. All I'm saying is this. There couldn't be a better time to deal with our family dynamics than right now. Someone said this on the call yesterday, and I've not stopped hearing that reverberate. Yes, COVID has been bad for the world. COVID has been tough for our country. But I heard him say what I've heard so many other people across the country say. But as for me and my house, we're actually doing pretty good in this season. Our income is up. Our family is closer. We got more defined, concise goals for the future. Did not the Lord say in Exodus, I will cover you with blood, and while I judge the world, I will prosper you? Did not the Lord say, as for me and my house, we've been given an open opportunity to advance, and we're missing the forest, as my mama would say, for the trees. Friends, it's time to rise up.
be the people of God. And it starts in the home. Let's stand to